It's the Thanksgiving edition of Three Rural White Guys. If you're looking for a way to make your Thanksgiving gathering just a little more bearable this year, we got you covered. Just who are the Three Rural White Guys? When Mike Heaton travels, he sometimes misses out on the details. He once checked in for a flight at Chicago O'Hare and learned that he'd actually booked the flight for the following month. He also happens to be a recovering lobbyist and a professional fundraiser for nonprofits. While Jacob Dodds gets around town in a pretty large badass truck, he has no problem whatsoever being seen driving around in a moped every once in a while. Jacob also happens to be an expert in rural EMS services and healthcare. Kellen Gracie once shut down an entire direction of an Atlanta freeway when his U-Haul trailer detached from his vehicle. He also happens to be an expert in political science and data science. We are the three rural white guys, just three guys sitting in our garage, drinking beer, and trying to make sense of politics in Southeast Iowa and Iowa's future first congressional district. All right, guys, I'm sitting here putting all the cords together, and uh, Jacob walks in the room, and he's like, this is after, mind you, like five texts, like, I'm ready to go tonight, guys. I've been on the road for five hours today listening to various media. <laughs> we need to talk. This is big. It's been a hell of a week. We're going to get there, Jacob. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I know you're right, revving to go. Or you're revving to go. Well, by the way, we missed you last week, man. I know. It was awesome. Work, work called. Yeah. I was in Des Moines. It's tough when it's a Thursday at 1 p.m. to actually have a, a live recording during work. But Kellen and I were able to make it just barely. We did it. But for the future, just so everybody knows, next week we're going to be not live but via Zoom with gubernatorial candidate Deidre DeGier, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. She'll be mm-hmm. joining us via Zoom. And then the Bohannon campaign reached out just yesterday, Representative Bohannon from Scott County, north of Davenport, who's interested in doing a live show with us in January awesome. and potentially on a weekend. So we will let our listeners know when that comes up, and hopefully you can come and join us live for a great show. So, okay, we're going to kick off this episode with a special Thanksgiving edition of You Got This. Now, we'll have our usual You Got This segment at the end of this episode, but we felt our listeners might need a little special encouragement to kick off the show to mentally prepare them for this long Thanksgiving weekend. So this is our special shout-out to you, our listeners. You got this. Maybe you're hosting your family for the holiday. Maybe you are traveling to see them, and you're literally listening to this episode right now in your car on your way there. For many of you, it's the first time since pre-COVID that you've actually spent with your extended family. A lot has happened since then. Almost two full years of politics, national tragedies, misinformation, insurrections, and more have happened since you last debated politics with your second cousin's boyfriend from school while munching on marshmallow salad and green bean casserole. You got this. You can do this, and we're going to try to help you. So for the next 30 minutes or so, get it all out. We aren't holding back this episode, so a fair warning, there will be some cuss words. If you don't like that part of the show, this might not be the episode for you. But if you need to get those emotions out a bit, to vent a bit, then give this episode a listen before you walk into the house or room with your sister's Trump-loving father-in-law. Everyone will be happier for it. Here's our plan. We're finding common ground this week. Off-limit topics in general are 
Kyle Rittenhouse, Donald Trump, Fox News, gun control, immigration, Ahmed Arbery, insurrection, vaccinations, 1776, 1618, critical race theory, any of those topics, you know what they are. If you feel that 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 little buzz or 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 you know that alarm bell going off in your head when when somebody mentions one of these trigger words, just don't engage. Don't do it. Unless you are in a safe space with a family member who you know respects you and exhibits basic critical thinking skills, then just don't engage. If any of these topics get brought up to you, they're baiting you. It is literally a tactic utilized by right-wing media to sow fear and division between family and friends on Thanksgiving. It's not worth your time, and you're playing into their game. So... Here are some handy suggestions on how you can maneuver around those conversations and actually enjoy your gathering this Thanksgiving. Number one, go help with the dishes. If you happen to be like me and you're a rural white man, then you come from maybe a tradition or culture that had you falling asleep on the couch watching a Bears game right after you ate your turkey dinner. In the meantime, your female companion, spouse, fiance, girlfriend, sister, whatever it may be, was doing dishes and cleaning up in the kitchen. So you know what? That's actually sexist as fuck. Get off your ass and go help with the dishes. Not only will you earn points with your partner and your family, you'll also avoid that cringy conversation with your sexist uncle who sure as hell will be on the couch pretending he's asleep so he doesn't have to do dishes. He may give you shit for it when you come back out of the kitchen, but don't worry. If he pretends to take your man card away, we will personally email you one. Just let us know. Number two, play with the kids. They miss you. And none of the other adults want to watch the kids. Trust me. It's the easiest way to avoid cringy conversations. Number three, offer to play a game. Literally go grab the cards from the shelf. But it has to be a game that requires concentration. Euchre, hearts, Yahtzee. Do not do a puzzle because you can talk while you do a puzzle. Play something where the majority of players will get annoyed with a political rant, not because they disagree, but because that person's slowing up the game and not playing their hand. And finally, if you can't avoid the conversation, just listen. Ask questions. Show that you're interested. Do not voice your opinion. Learn what theirs is. You can pretend to be a sociologist studying some backward culture that has somehow persisted over the centuries. You don't have to voice agreement, and silence isn't agreement despite what they may think. Do not offer your opinion. Do not offer a counterpoint. Just say things like, oh, that's interesting. What do you mean by that? Or, I honestly find that perspective fascinating. Why do you feel that way? Or, I hadn't realized that was a thing in this small town. I'm honestly shocked. Do you have examples on so I can learn more? Asking your family members to legitimately describe to you in a logical stance is actually quite fun. Don't ask leading questions. Don't add your own facts or opinion. Just simply say, tell me more. What led you to believe that? How is that impacting our community? Don't be an asshole. Illogical political stances are designed to cause division, especially among family during Thanksgiving. That is the point. That's why they are created. 
The second you escalate, counter, or start debating, they win. Because that's the goal. It's not to be right or wrong. It's to cause division. Period. So listen. Keep asking questions and let them get their points out. Show them how to respect another person. Model good behavior. The majority of the time, they'll have never even reached this point in the conversation and they will be lost. They will start questioning themselves or they will leave you alone. Win, win. So for the next 30 minutes, join us as we get it all out of our systems. It'll help you set the tone of peace and common ground with your family this Thanksgiving weekend. You got this. So gentlemen, our opportunity to get all this out of our systems before we go to our family events this weekend is right now. So let's just get it out. Uh, I think the most common question is going to be, do you think Trump's going to run again in 2024? It'll end up being Ron DeSantis is who it's going to fucking be. Yeah, potentially. No, it's going to be Trump DeSantis ticket. That's what it's going to be. Ugh. I don't. I don't see that happening. I don't see it happening, guys. That's what's going to happen. I'm telling he, you. That. He lost. He lost Congress, and he lost an election. So, so, so yeah, what? But, but he's he's on he's on the path to the godhood. Are going to get there. Right. He kids. is on the path to godhood among his cult members. But here's the thing: like Mansion and what's her name, Kristen Cinema, are getting millions from from middle-of-the-road Republicans that are sick and tired of the Trump shit, and they're putting their money in moderates, and they're, they're moderate Democrats they're putting their money in. I think the Republican machine that funds, that helped fund Trump for those that first election, and even thought maybe we can get by one more time, they're done. He's a loser. They're not going to fund him anymore. Well, that's the Republican machine you're talking about, though. They're all gone. Like, all the strategists are all gone. Their Where's RNC the money? is not hiring all those people again. Those strategists are not back at the RNC. Sure. They're not back involved in operations right now. They're at the yeah. all these other places that are doing nothing but uh, being opposed to Trump's endorsements and Trump himself, right? Well, right. The, uh, the Lincoln Project, that's, that's a prime example, though, of, you know, a lot of liberals get all, you know, they get a great big old heart on every time the Lincoln Project. And I love their shit. Don't get me wrong. But... That's Steve Schmidt. Like, he's the one that's responsible for Sarah Palin. Right, right. Really, Sarah Palin was the start of this insanity. Right, right. Agreed. I mean, from her came Michelle Bachman. And then right. it's just, it's just like added one more step and more. further of Michelle insanity. Remember? Man, remember? remember? Like when it was just starting <laughs> and the, 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 and, and the snowball was just a tiny the, little snowflake? You look yeah. back oh, at the shit that, that she said, and, and you, when she said that at the time, you're like, what the fuck? How, how can you be this crazy? This was that same year there was that Senate candidate out east that had to ha air a commercial uh, uh, along the lines of, I'm not a witch. Do you remember? Yes. Do you remember that candidate? What was her name? What was her name? I can't remember her name. I'm not a witch. I'm not what they tell you I am. I can't remember, but she, I think she was running against Chris Coons. Yeah. Yep. We've come so far, everybody. But, but, so but, that was the beginning of that shit. What I'm saying is those operatives, those Republican Party operatives have all said, fuck this shit, and have jumped ship. They are not at the RNC, right? So those, those folks who would step up and say, no, not while I'm here, they're not there to do that. 
Are they not, though? They've all been run out of town. But they're going to come back. All it takes is a little money. That's all it is. To me, money talks always. Is it in the vested interest of the wealthy class of America to have Donald Trump as the next president or someone who is going to win, guaranteed to win? But who's leading this effort, right? Yeah, well, there's tons of money. I don't believe that, that somebody like Steve Schmidt just decided I'm not conservative anymore. Right. I think that the Lincoln Project is really more aimed at taking the Republican Party back from Trumpism, right? More than it is right now. It's it's got the support of, you know, liberals because they got the anti-Trump message. But but I I think that I, I I have every faith in the world that when if the if the Republican Party ever comes back to the center, Steve Schmidt's all over that. We're actually in disagreement here today, guys. This is <laughs> this is pretty cool. This doesn't happen very often. I like it. I like it. And we're disagreeing with Kellen, the political scientist. Yeah, it's so this it, is the fun part. The, at, at the end of the day, the party doesn't offer a differing worldview that you can say, okay, I understand what their view is on X, Y, and Z. Right? They they offer a never-ending conflict with the opposing party. That's all they're about. Well, I, I listened to some some far left media on my drive up to Des Moines today. And I listened to some far-right media on my drive back. And oh. here, is, here is what the distinctive difference is between the two. Is the far-left media is, it, it comes back to, to, to what we've talked about before of, of policy, policy, policy. Everything's about policy. And that's great because that's what government should be, right, is policy. Mm-hmm. Like, especially policy that benefits people, like, you know, Build back better America and infrastructure and healthcare and education. And I get all that. But if you listen to far right media, there is no policy discussion. Mm-hmm. It is all owning the libs. It is all making something out of nothing. The Rittenhouse, I, I listened to them bitch about the Rittenhouse trial on one of the media outlets I listened to on the way back. And and they made it all about race. And it was all about how the mainstream media made this all about race, all about race. I watched that whole damn trial, or almost all of it. Race was never a factor. The media never made an issue about race. It was a white guy that shot three other white guys. If there was ever anything made about race, it was the fact that Kyle was treated differently because he was white than if he had been black. Right. Right, a black guy with an AR-15 running around like that uh, in those exact same circumstances would not have had the same. And outcome. and I have I have not be alive right now. No, right, yeah, that w- that night would have ended differently. I have I have had this debate with with people from since that event happened, and I this is very unliberal of me, but but I think I've made clear where I stand on some of this stuff. I'm a gun owner. I consider myself a responsible gun owner. And I am fine with responsible gun legislation. We've repealed back most of our responsible gun legislation in Iowa to the point that where now I can go purchase an AR-15. And if I want to, I can walk around the square in Mount Pleasant with my finger on the trigger with that gun strapped across the front of me for no reason whatsoever. I don't need a permit for it. Nobody can say anything to me. And this is my thing with the Rittenhouse case is... He went looking for trouble. He admitted in the trial he, he chose that gun because it, quote, unquote, looked cool. And he walked around up there as an aggressor. Now, I realize that the, the three people that were shot as a result of those actions were on the other side of the equation. 
But here's how you stop somebody in their tracks and they want to make this debate. What if they were good guys with guns? What if they were on the same side as Kyle and saw somebody walking down the street with a gun strapped across their chest thinking they look like a threat? I need to neutralize that threat. And as a responsible gun owner, it pisses me off because all these Second Amendment nut jobs are screaming and yelling about how all oh, the governments, that's just one more excuse for the government to come and ban our guns and take our guns away. You fuckers are going to get your own goddamn guns taken away by doing stupid shit like this. Like I said, it is perfectly legal for me to walk around the square with an AR-15 strapped across my chest. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I guarantee you somebody will call the cops on me if they see me doing it. Right. So when the, when the cops show up to say, hey, what you doing? I'm defending myself. And the precedence has been set that that's perfectly acceptable. And all I have to do is feel a little bit threatened, and I can shoot somebody. That precedence has been set. Even though I probably asked for it, if somebody accosted me because I have a firearm strapped across my chest, I asked for that. I have carried my gun concealed for personal protection. I'm all about personal protection. Why do people feel like they need to carry that shit around on their own? Ah, I'm fucking wound up. <laughs> <laughs> He's, they're ruining it for you. Let's yeah, be clear. They're ruining it for everybody yeah. who, who chooses to own a firearm. Right. And, and whether they keep it in their house, whether they carry it on their person for right. personal protection, they're literally ruining it for those people. So I'm going to say something here, and, and it is what it is. You go back to slavery. You go back to a, a immigrant class that came across from Europe, mostly white, who were basically treated like shit, had crap jobs, had pretty much horrible everything. Life was not good. But then you had slaves. So their life wasn't that bad compared to slaves. They always had somebody they could say, well, at least I'm not that. Okay? And that has not changed. You just talked about how the Republican media... The far-right media is making it all about race. They're saying, oh, the Democrats are making it all about race. The mainstream media is making it all about race. That's not true. The right-wing media is bringing up race because they, it's in their best interest to bring up race. Well, it, it immediately sets these people into overdrive for how right. pissed off they're going to be because, because, well, it's just, it's just BLM bullshit. The, right. the guy that drove through the parade in Waukesha, like after they identified him, there were tweets from elected officials across the United States saying that it was a BLM Antifa thing right. because this guy had made some social media posts about racism. Right. That, wasn't, that doesn't appear to be his motive at all. There is absolutely, in, in the best interest of the far right, to push the racial conversation all the time. They have to because it's the, it's the only thing they have at this point because they have no policy, as we brought up. And so if they continue to push the racial conversation over and over again, they keep bringing it up and saying that the, the, the Dems are doing it, Dems are doing it, but they're the ones saying it all the time. They are pitting a poor white class that are being stomped on by corporations, stomped on by business owners and leaders, and, and taking advantage of right now, absolutely being... Stomped on by their own elected officials. Yeah, absolutely. They keep putting in the office. Right. But if they keep playing the race card over and over and over and over again and saying the Dems are trying to take your only dignity away, the fact that you're better than other people, a group of people, and they're trying to give your piece of the pie to them, it makes them vote for them. 
because they don't want to lose their piece of the pie to, to people of color, even though that's not how it works. As Ross Smith brought up the other day, you bring a person of color to the table, they bring their potlucks. They, they set it on the table and everybody eats more food. Like that's how economics works. You bring in more people, they do more work. You have more value as a community. It's good to bring them to the table. Good to have equal pay, things like that. And, and the unions that have done that in the past have found success. The, the programs, the cities that have figured that out have thrived. And if you look in the South where they have not figured that out, where they continue to keep separation as much as they can through whatever policies they can or race baiting as they've been doing nonstop that Trump literally started as a campaign with, they economically are suffering horribly. The South economically is depraved. In Texas, we just merged our hospital here, which sucks, by the way. It's not good, and it's happening here. But Texas closed 26 hospitals, 26 in rural Texas. And these are people that vote for conservatives who are putting these policies into place. They're closing their hospitals. And the only reason they're voting for conservatives is because they don't want black people to take their money, the money they don't have because they're being stomped on. And I will say it over and over again. If you think about it from that lens and you listen to that right-wing media, it is constant race baiting. It is constant that people of color are going to take what little you have. And so you got to vote Republican. And it is a trope they have used since slavery to convince people that that's okay. And it has never changed. It has always stomped on people of color and helped white people. And well, they've got they're still thing. doing it. I've sort of kept politics off my personal social media profiles. But I, I did make a post the other day sort of being a troll to see what kind of responses it was going to get. And it got exactly what I thought it was going to get. Right. I basically posted an outline of Build Back Better America, and I got some responses on there about, yeah, well, what about all the pork and the back scratching and, and all the other shit that's in the 2,000 pages of it? And, and, and that tells me th several things. One, the, the average person doesn't understand how government works, first right. of all. Right, right. Uh, you can't write a one-page bill. Like, right. that's just not how it works. Um, two, uh, pork is beneficial. It's but, a necessary part of of the legislative process. And and pork still benefits people. Might not benefit everybody. Right. But it might mean that this town gets a new fire station. It might mean that this town gets a new school. So let me ask you this though, Jacob. Is that bill to that the build back better legislation? Is it to the point now that it has pork yet? Haven't they just introduced the concept at this point? Yeah. I didn't even know they've even like added amendments they've, they've, with this They've port. basically put in the, the outline of what they want to accomplish with it. And I don't know how anybody looks at that and says, no, that's not good. Right. But but, they but there's also no pork in it yet either. And this guy's already out there saying there's all this other crap. Yeah, because like, that's, that's what not they, true that's, yet. And that's exactly that's my point is is when racism doesn't work, when you can't pull race into the equation, you just have to pull it in that, well, the Democrats introduced it. So it's probably communism. But I saw that I saw that post, and you're absolutely right. But I saw the post, and the other the flag I see now is when people say it's going to impact the middle class, and that's exactly what that post that response to you guys said. He said, "I just I fear it's going to really all the extra stuff is going to hurt the middle class." And I'm like, "You mean white people?" Yeah, but they touted they touted they touted Trump's tax cuts as uh, you know the greatest thing ever. Even though anybody that could read the bill saw that the middle class was going to get fucked by that, right? And, and here's a bill that's benefited billionaires. And here's a bill that's literally everything about it is to boost people in that middle class bracket. Like everything about it is to well, build the middle class. This this Fox News recipe of 
divisiveness, right? It, it, it can only last so long, right? So demographic shifts are going to necessitate a, a shift, right? But it can only work so long, I, I would think. So they're doing everything they can to, to keep it prolonged, right? Because look at Texas, right? 60% are people of color in Texas, yet three-fourths of their legislature is white in the state. So, so we just haven't lost them. it yet. They figured out other ways to keep it. I mean, we just wait them out. I feel like there was a day, though, in the not too distant history where where legislation was generally weighted on how it benefited overall society. You could have bipartisanship. It, it wasn't necessarily viewed as this bill sucks just because the Democrats brought it forth or this bill. The sucks 90s. That's when it's the Republican. That's when it shifted. It was the 90s. It was Newt Gingrich's contract with America. Right. And it was his whole shift towards anything coming out of the, the Clinton White House is absolute trash. We're going to investigate everything and anything under the sun. The, the the entirety of the scandal that ultimately everyone remembers the Clinton presidency for really had nothing to do with a sex scandal to begin with. Just for everybody's, to stroke everybody's memory, about <laughs> what year was that? It was yeah. probably yeah. what, about 1995, 1996? It, it, w- w- the contract with America and all that rhetoric, yeah, around the mid-90s. Ish, yeah. Guess guess what else came onto the scene in 1996? Beavis and Butthead. That was a couple of years. Fox News. Oh yeah. And Sync. <laughs> Fox News. Yes. <laughs> and I, I mentioned that because I actually read Nirvana. an article yeah. right before I came over here where it talked, and it was an older article. It actually dated back to 2014, so it it predated Trump, and it was basically the fact of that that people who like consume right wing media. Like they they did cite they did like some academic studies on it and they found that they literally have an addiction to anger and outrage. Right. You want to you want to hear something to blow your mind? Blow our minds, Kellen. You know where Tucker Carlson's career started? NBC. And not just NBC, but MSNBC. MSN, yes. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> I mean, he he can manufacture outrage about anything. Right. Right. I mean, he could manufacture outrage about nuns working down at the soup kitchen. Oh, yeah. Well, my jaw dropped. What day was that? Friday? Uh-huh. I was, I was watching uh, the Arbery case, and the defense attorney, she started making this comment about how everything would have been fine if uh, Ahmaud Arbery hadn't come into that neighborhood with his khaki shorts and his dirty long toenails. Right. And, and my jaw dropped. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I was sitting there in my office and I heard that and I was kind of passively listening. Yep. And, and I was like, that's dehumanization. But you brought that up. I, it, it, that whole because defense just reeked. It's, because of, it's dehumanizing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. It's it takes one jury, right? A, yeah, all a, it takes is one. To yeah. a jury of, of 12, of which only one is a person of color. They're trying to paint the picture to that jury that it's perfectly acceptable that some white guy saw a black guy jogging through their neighborhood. And they were justified in automatically assuming that not only did he commit a crime, but he was an immediate danger to them. Yeah. We want to focus on District 1, right? right. So future, future District 1. Right. I, I think we've learned over time that conversations of racial equity right, are not going to win voters in Van Buren County. No. And none of the social justice stuff is this. And this, this is the other thing I wound up about today is... We need to drop the policy altogether. Policy is, is a moot point at this point because 
There is no honest discussion about policy at any level of government right now. I mean, we can't even operate school boards without these divisive politics factoring into it. It doesn't even matter what type of policy. If we're talking tax policy, if we're talking um, infrastructure policy, if we're talking civil rights policy, time and time again, the Republican Party has said we're not interested in even debating. Democrats need to get really witty, savvy people to do nothing but throw Republican logic back in their face. Well, uh, and that needs to happen for about two years to convince people how stupid this shit is. Because I've seen this in my own personal experience in in one-on-one, like face-to-face, friendly civil debates. When you start throwing how ridiculous their logic is back in their face, they stop and think for a half a second. And there's going to be some of them that are going to be like, never mind. But there's going to be some of them that are going to walk back home and they're going to think about that and they're going to think about it. And they're going to think about it some more. And they're going to get pissed off that you're right. But liberals don't act like that. And, that, and that, that's what needs to change. Liberals I, just I'm gonna, don't act I'm like gonna that. Be, I'm going to be really just frank and direct. And maybe you want to edit this out. Liberals, have, they've got to stop being so spineless when it comes yeah. to this. Okay, stuff. okay. Instead of, instead of just going, well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do the Hillary Clinton thing and take that, the high road when they go low. I hear what you're saying, Jacob. But let me get real with you on... This is so. Uh, this is kind of like fringe political science, okay? So if if we're talking about like some Doctor Frankenstein shit in terms of poli sci, that's what I'm about to talk about. Okay. <laughs> so there's a guy in Nebraska with an MRI machine, and he studies brain patterns and differences in conservatives versus liberals. And okay. I, I think I know where you. I've seen this. I think. So what I'm what I'm getting at is there's just a fundamentally different. Brain, set of brain patterns for liberal people than there are conservative people. Conservatives operate off of fear. Right. The, the things that motivate them. The, amygdala. Like right. That. The things that stimulate brain activity, the patterns and how brain activity... All these things are different in conservatives than they are liberal. They, they are literally examining anatomical differences between conservatives and liberals in terms of brainwave patterns. And, and they're looking at these things... And they're finding motivational patterns are dramatically different. So what I'm getting at is it's hard to say, hey, liberals, stop, you know, grow a spine and and stop rolling over. And just like it's really hard to dramatically change those types of people. They just they just operate differently. And let's be clear. We're talking about people that are farther along on the right or farther along on the left. When you get toward the middle. There, there's not that much difference between someone who voted for Trump or Biden or Hillary that are right on the fence. They they went one way or the other for a reason, and that's what gets someone elected in the United States right now. So I, what I'm looking at is that 20% in the middle, and I'm guessing based on the data you're talking about that those brainwaves aren't that all different in that middle 20%. Um, yeah, I don't know without look, without having the right. research in front of me. but So I'm, um, I'm looking at how do we actually win to get something done I don't really give a shit about convincing a bunch of right-wing crazies well, that the, they're wrong. Well, at the very least, if we are going to talk about policy, if we are going to use policy as that, then we need to be hammering on on the fact of the infrastructure bill is a prime example. I mean, all of our all of our Republican legislatures but Grassley voted right. against mm-hmm. it. And Grassley was real, real quiet about it. Right. Because, well, you know, <laughs> they were getting death threats, for Christ's sake. Right, right. That's, that's the world we live in now. Uh, but... 
And by the way, I'm not saying you're wrong, Jacob. I think we have those conversations, but we target those conversations on the middle 20%. Yeah, and, and not on the right one. And that's that's one example of a debate that I did have with somebody about that was was that, you know, this this infrastructure bill is terrible. And and literally like 2 weeks before that, I had this debate about how Grassley needed to go because he was, you know, old and senile and he'd been there too long. He wasn't an effective senator anymore. I don't even think he knows what he's voting on half of the time. And I really right. mean that. And he defended him, defended him. Oh, no, Grassley's been great for the people of Iowa. And if he wants to stay there, he needs to stay there. And then when I pointed out that Grassley supported the infrastructure bill, like that, Grassley was a turd yeah. and needs to go. Yeah. That, that, you know, he needs to be put out to pasture. Mm-hmm. And, and it's literally come down to I, I, they need to just hammer on the fact of what came out of the Trump administration that benefited Americans. Right. What was his signature legislation that benefited Americans? I mean, for Christ's sakes, we've got this infrastructure bill, Build Back a B- Better America. If that passes, those are going to be two huge victories for Biden. Right. And, and they're downplaying those. All they're doing is, that's all right-wing media is doing is saying how, oh, it's just going to raise taxes and how are we going to pay for this? Well, if we're not paying for a war in Afghanistan anymore, I'm not denying that inflation is a problem right now. I mean, everything is a lot more expensive than it was. But if we're so concerned about that, then why is consumer spending at record levels? Right. That doesn't seem to bother anybody that nobody's spending less at Christmas this year. Right. And inflation isn't due to some economic policy of the Biden administration. Inflation's due to the pandemic and causing massive shifts in our economy, backing up our supply chains. Is impacted every major economic power in the world. Yes. The thing yeah. about inflation you got to keep in, in mind is you're looking at numbers right now and they're benchmarked to numbers a year ago. And the numbers a year ago had dropped dramatically because there was no demand. There was a shit ton of supply and there was no demand. Everyone was at home. No one was buying things. We were stockpiling and hoarding toilet paper. No one was driving their car. No one was going to malls. No one was shopping. If anything, we were buying stuff online. There was a shortage of computer chips because we were all buying electronic devices, so on and so forth. So prices dropped dramatically across the board in 2020. So when you're looking at inflation now, you got to keep in mind that it's benchmarked to a year ago. Right. So when prices were low a year ago, of course, they're going to edge up a little bit higher now as the market opens up, as the global economy starts firing back up, that that engine starts starts roaring again. That's not the entirety of the inflation story, but that's a big chunk of it. But that's the problem is, is right wing media has tied that to, well, if the government invests all this money and all of this stuff, that's got to come from somewhere. And that's just. The, the Federal Reserve is going to print more money, and that's just going to cause inflation to go up higher. It's all unsubstantiated bullshit. Yeah. But how do you counter that? Yeah. And, and I don't feel like Democrats have pushed those counter. No. To that nearly as much. No, I, I don't think they have at all. I've been really disappointed in... I always hear from conservatives how the mainstream media is always in lockstep with the left and the democrat party i just I, like i don't see that like no. i don't know what they're talking about I've, because i've i've seen a bunch of negative articles about the biden administration yeah. and the mainstream media if 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 the media and the dems are in bed together they're they're doing a really bad job of showing affection 
<laughs> I just, well, I, I don't know what they're talking about. Well, and in in the definition of mainstream media on the right has basically become anything that that, that isn't uh, Fox News, yeah, or Newsmax, or right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I would not consider the Daily Show with John Stewart or with Trevor Noah now. I wouldn't consider that mainstream media. They don't that's consider themselves news. That's no, no. They tell they you openly. Did. They openly. <laughs> we're, we're satire on current events. No, that's, to the right, anything that isn't Fox News or right-wing media is mainstream media. What I what I have seen since January sixth, incidentally, is a lot more editorializing on mainstream media. But I think there comes a point when you have legitimate journalism treated the way it was during Trump administration, and then you see how right-wing media has treated January 6th and how you have a whole segment of the population that has treated January 6th, and you have elected officials. That's something, what elected officials do and say is of the public interest. That is the nature of the beast. And when, when you have some of the things being said and done that are being said and done right now, these journalists are left with no other option but to look at it and say, You guys are crazy. I, I, I can't believe this. Right. Like, I can't exactly. believe that we sat through a, a presser today and this happened. Right. So here, here's where I've come out on the, all this, because I go back to our interview with Ross last week, right? And I don't know if you've listened to the episode. Bring yet. it on I, back. I, I, I was telling him, no. Jacob. I, I should have. I should have. <laughs> my blood pressure would be better for my. And, let, and let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because here is a guy that, and I'm, I'm high on him right now because just interviewed him. Right, and I'm sure I'm going to be high on on Deidre Dejir here shortly. So, but we had a guy on that has been at the heart of economic justice for for people of color as well as for unions and white people across Iowa. Like this has been his thing. He was part of it. His dad was part of the '86 strikes, and he was a part of the strikes this last month with John Deere. So he understands. He talked a lot about common ground, and he talked a lot about those people on the picket line being. Obama, Trump voters, people that voted for both, Obama and Trump. So they're the ones that are on the fence that we need to change. And I'm looking at our county, and I'm looking at Southeast Iowa. We are a manufacturing region. As much as we like to pretend we're ag, the most jobs we have are related to manufacturing. They're, they're ag-related. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Yeah. They're meatpacking plants, but they are manufacturing yeah, that's, jobs. That's an important point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's no other way to put it. You're being gaslighted from the right side, and you're believing it because you don't want to lose what little you have. We got to band together here. We got to find common ground between all of us because right now the Democrats are putting forth policies that are actually going to benefit you. They're going to rejuvenate our rural communities, legitimately rejuvenate them. That's the point. There, there's no hidden agenda here. They literally care. They want to get your vote. And so they're literally trying to do shit for you. And you're sitting there saying, no, it's good. The immigrants are going to take our jobs. They're trying to get you not to give a shit. And to think somehow it's all conspiracy so you don't join the Democrats and screw over those corporations that aren't even owned here in Southeast Iowa. The vast majority of our businesses are investment yeah. firms in New York and Texas. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want you to unionize. They don't want you to gather and find common cause because if you do, their profits go down. They'll still make millions, but their profits will go down. The UAW figured that shit out, and John Deere got hellish better benefits and pay because they organized, they found common cause across political lines, and they did it. And I'm so proud 
of those unions and those Democrats that stood with them where Kim Reynolds on one of the biggest industries and companies in Iowa, she didn't even touch it because that's what the Republicans give a shit about. They give a shit about their corporate sponsors and they don't give a shit about people. And we are here in Southeast Iowa. It's about the people. We got to start figuring that out because we are being screwed over by these, by the Republicans being gaslit. So I'll get off my high horse, but I I am so done with it. I think you're 100% right, and I think perhaps maybe that's a little less militant than what I was proposing uh, (laughs) of getting people on board with that because I I did say that in some of my my conversations with friends is this John Deere thing, I think, is the first domino to fall in in a labor revolution. I, I, I see it in literally every industry. And right now, what's the scapegoat? What's the scapegoat from the right on why people aren't working? It was that it was it was cheap. It was, you, you made more money on unemployment staying home. But right. what is it Right, that, that stopped, yeah. What is it now? Why is it that everybody nobody can find anybody to work? Pay vaccine mandates. Oh, vaccine oh, mandates. Is that what it is, is Everybody's now? leaving their jobs because they're being mandated to get the vaccine. That's what it is. Which we know is bullshit. Because people need to pay the bills. We know very few people are actually leaving their jobs for that. Right. They're, I, I found it interesting, though, like some of the social media commentary that I saw during the John Deere strike was you sort of had some people that were like, when they came back with their quote-unquote final offer, which, by the way, violates National Labor Relations Board right. rules like nobody's business. <laughs> but there were a lot of people that were like, well, you know, a 30% raise and and free health care and all that. Like, how can you turn that down? What people don't realize is that you have to have language in the contract to protect that, too. That's how corporations get around that is say, yeah, we'll give you all this. But if there's not language in the contract to protect it, they can take that away. Right after. No one wants to strike again for another, yeah. And mainly because of the fact that Republicans have stripped out most of the protections that labor unions had fought for over the last 100 years. Exactly. And and so I think that is a huge thing that can be driven home is that as you see pay increase across the board in all industries, because it is such a competitive job market for employers right now, I mean, the employees are in the driver's seat, and they're, they're just, frankly, not going to work for toxic companies that don't pay their people shit and don't take care of them. And even then, those owners will still make money, Yeah, even by paying extra. I mean, John Deere's not going to get hurt by this. Their stockholders are going to take a little bit of a bump, but they'll be fine. Right. Exactly. And, and to be clear, that is what Democrats are advocating for. That's the policy they're trying to put together. They're, with the infrastructure Build Back Better stuff, that's literally to build the infrastructure so our working class can have jobs, become middle class again, and actually start regenerating the economy the way it needs to be so we all have a high quality of life. But you can't do that if these large corporations are still squeezing every little bit of life out of our employees. And so it all has to happen at the same time. We got to get the infrastructure. We got to get to build back better stuff. And we have to increase worker pay, benefits, all that kind of stuff. And the fact is, the money's there. As Donald Trump likes to say, we are record, record revenues, record profit, record everything. But it's all going to the owners. It's all going to investors. And it doesn't have to all go to them. Even a little bit coming back to the workers makes life bearable for people. There's the one place where where you can find agreement with Republicans, right? I, I think Republicans by and large will agree 
uh, billionaires like Jeff Bezos aren't paying enough in taxes. So, yeah, may, maybe there is some common ground. I like that. Guys, this has been great. Uh, I'm sure we could go on and on and on uh, with lots of things we need to get out of our system, but we pretty much hit our time limit for this episode. Um, let's go into our You Got This segment, a little, a little swing up at the very end to get us all on a positive note before our listeners uh, turn us off and, and step into uh, Thanksgiving celebrations across Southeast Iowa and other elsewhere. So who wants to go first? Kellen? Yeah, my my you got this this week is to retail workers. We're we're heading into Thanksgiving holidays, right? Black Friday is is always hard on retail workers and it's just that time of year. So I, I know there have been a lot of gains made in terms of awareness of of the strife and and the hardship placed on retail workers this time of year. So I, I know a lot of retailers are, they have better policies now about Black Friday and these sorts of things than they used to. But anyway, my You Got This is is, is out to retail workers. You got this. Uh, holiday season is upon us. And I, I think we all need to find positivity where we can. And, and it's hard for the retail worker. But all that economic activity is good. So you got this. Cool. Jacob? Uh, my shout out goes out to the educators in Iowa who have had to navigate a number of dramatic changes over the last couple of years and then having that complicated with COVID. Um, and they've pretty much had to deal with legislators that have largely shit on them throughout most of the legislative process. Now the school boards have been infiltrated with this 1776 crap and and we've we've seen this horrible politicization of of otherwise nonpartisan positions on school administrative positions. But nonetheless, uh, I know it's getting very difficult to be able to go in and, and try and create an all-inclusive environment and be able to reach every student in your classroom. But I have faith that the tide's going to turn eventually, and if you guys stick with it, you've got this. Good one. Two of me out. All right. Mine is to rural Democrats. I just had a our central committee meeting for Henry County right before we recorded today and and it can get depressing. There's a lot of when you're sitting in a county that's 60-40, 70-30 leaning red in general to continue to come to meetings to continue to fight the good fight to counter the the gaslighting, the racism, the sexism, the economic policy that doesn't benefit anyone in our communities and to consistently be driven back by by just really illogical arguments within our community it's hard it's hard to want to keep doing it it's hard to want to keep fighting it's hard to want to keep meeting and trying to find candidates and trying to do all that stuff and so i just want to say thank you to my own crew here in, in henry county of 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 just the consistent people who show up for meetings and the those that serve on boards and, and different commissions that are willing to step up and volunteer and, and be part of it, even though it feels like a losing battle. It will turn, and we will get the moral and the common ground-focused uh, policies and, and people elected, and it will happen eventually because in the end, I do believe that good will win, and so keep the fight up. You got this. That was a good one, too. Thanks. So that wraps up this episode of Three World White Guys. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's going to be good. You got this. See you next week.